Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There is a different way of thinking about roots. Intellectual mobility, to be an intellectual nomad, to refuse to have a fixed address or abode, does not mean that you don't have roots. It just means that your roots are up in the air, like the old baobab tree, and they're longing for sunshine, for rain, and they're longing for freedom. So I want to talk about roots, that mysterious underground part of a plant. The word comes to us from late Old English, and it has connections with Old Norse, from which modern Scandinavian languages are derived. And in this context, it means cause or origin. I think all my adult life, I felt the need to think closely and carefully about roots, or what does it mean to be rooted, uprooted, rerooted. And I also believe that the places where we were born influence our thoughts, our stories, our emotions. The places where we were born are the shape of our lives, even when we are miles and continents away, and perhaps especially then. There are some writers that I like to consult when I'm thinking more closely about roots, and one of those authors is the Lebanese-born French writer Amin Malouf, whose work I admire and respect. In one of his essays, Malouf says that he doesn't like the word roots. It's not part of his vocabulary, and he tries not to use it much. And he also says that he even he dislikes even more the image that the word conveys, because roots are burrowed into the ground and they twist in the mud and they held they hold the trees in captivity. So within this framework, trees are in a way almost like imprisoned by their roots. Uh, in other words, roots are the opposite of mobility, the opposite of freedom. But with all due respect, I am going to slightly disagree with Malouf, or perhaps I'm trying to find another imagery or another approach into the word. And for that, I want to take you into oral storytelling, oral cultures. And among the many wonderful legends and myths that originated from the African continent, there is a tale about a particular tree that makes me think more vividly about the term roots. So this is the story of the baobab tree. According to the legend, baobab trees were very adventurous and they loved to walk around and discover the world. You know, they were curious trees. So much so that they annoyed God and God intervened. And in order to keep them from walking, turned them upside down. So the idea is that these trees had roots, but their roots were up in the air. It was the other way around. And I like that. Is that possible? Is it possible to have roots, but also retain a sense of mobility? Now, as we're thinking about the word roots, we also need to focus on rootlessness. Or, for instance, this epithet or label or stigma of rootless cosmopolitan, 
which was used as an accusation, particularly against intellectuals across history, especially against Jewish intellectuals in the Soviet Union and, of course, Adolf Hitler's Germany. The idea there was that if you have multiple stories that compose your identity, then you can't be trustworthy. And of course, that's the thing about authoritarianism, isn't it? It can never uh, embrace multiplicity or pluralism. Uh, authoritarianism loves an artificial sense of homogeneity, this idea that we're a mass of undifferentiated individuals, that we all have to be exactly the same, which of course is an illusion. And many uh, writers and intellectuals have been targeted in this way so unfairly. Among those writers is someone who left a big impact on me, on my own thinking, and that writer, that cultural critic, is Walter Benjamin. He had a very different approach and a very sharp mind. He was an observer of modernity, of the times we are living in. Of course, back then it was um, also late 19th century, early 20th century, but he thought very carefully about the society and city life. He had to escape Germany from the Gestapo, he had to run away, and then he moved to France. When Paris was occupied, he had to run away again. And in 1940, at the age of 48, um, just by the French-Spanish border, he committed suicide as he was waiting to hear from the authorities whether he had permission to cross the border. And it has been a big mystery, of course, for scholars, what exactly caused his death. Was it his pessimism? If he had a bit more hope and optimism about the future, if he could have waited, because the next day, the group that he was traveling with obtained the right to you know, pass into um, Spanish territory. So if he had a bit more hope and if he could have waited, would he be alive for a longer time? Or was there something else in his murder? There's a mystery that is still unresolved. But what is clear is that he left us a remarkable body of work. And among his writings, uh, there's a book that was published after his death. It's called The Arcades Project. And it is a collage in a way. It's a very fragmented book in which the writer walks around the city, observes, accumulates and analyzes. And in order to understand this, we have to think about the word flaneur, which was developed, coined by the French poet Baudelaire, but it was Benjamin himself who gave the word a more analytical and intellectual structure. In this context, flaneur walks around the city and is a keen, sharp observer, not only of urban life, but of alienation, consumption, our habits, our relationships, but also how we can be isolated from each other. So there are all these fragments that go into the, into the book. Of course, as a feminist, I am very much aware of the fact that throughout most of history, most flaneurs have been men. Women have been denied the same type of mobility within the urban space. But what I'm trying to underline here is that that kind of intellectual mobility, I believe, is essential for writers, for novelists as well. In my latest book, The Island of Missing Trees, I have thought more carefully about roots, rootlessness, what does it mean to be an immigrant, exile, uprooted or rerooted. I care about these words. But in the end, I also believe that 
there is a different way of thinking about roots, intellectual mobility, to be an intellectual nomad, to refuse to have a fixed address or abode, does not mean that you don't have roots. It just means that your roots are up in the air, like the old baobab tree, and they're longing for sunshine, for rain, and they're longing for freedom. Say, Say it! it.